darling, with the young ones And the young ones shouldn't be afraid While the flame is strong Cause we may not be the young ones Very long Tomorrow While we until tomorrow Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to episode 15 of the Young Animal Gatherum. This is going to be a little bit of a special week because uh, it was during these weeks we found out that the Young Animal imprint wasn't long for this world. So uh, we do actually have a halftime report here that we'll be uh, discussing at the very end of the program. Uh, We've got our four regular books, uh, no Doom Patrol. Actually, there won't be another Doom Patrol again until the very final episode of the Young Animal Gatherum in about three weeks. The books we do have, Shade the Changing Woman, number three, originally aired on May 6th, 2018. Then, Eternity Girl number 3, originally aired on May 13th, 2018. Then we go off to Cave Carson has an Interstellar Eye number 3, which originally aired on May 20th, 2018. Then our final review of the day is going to be Mother Panic Gotham AD number 3, and that originally aired on May 27th, 2018. Like I said, we're going to have that Season 2 halftime report that'll take up a... a good deal of the back at, back end of this episode, and that originally aired on June 3rd, 2018. Uh, looks like we're in the home stretch here. Uh, just three more episodes to go from here, but uh, when it's all said and done, we will have covered every single offering from this pop-up imprint that could or couldn't. I uh, hope you're enjoying it, and uh, look forward to getting back with you soon. See ya. to the Young Animal segment on the DC Comics dot, was it? Weird Science DC Comics yes, dot com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And today we have one weird animal book to read for you. Which one is that, Chris? It's a, it's a young animal book. That's right. So what <laughs> what did I end up saying? Weird animal. Oh, God. What are, what's wrong with me? I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place today. Anyway, you bring us back I together. Come on, help been us in, out You've here. been infected by the madness because oh. we're reading Shade, the Changing Woman, number three. <laughs> and uh, this one's by Cecil Castellucci, Marley Zarcone, Andy Parks, Kelly Fitzpatrick, and Seda Tamafante. I figured I'd put the letterer in there because isn't there like a movement right now to include the letterers well, on the covers if you, and stuff? Well, if you include... Pat Brosseau always uh, talk about the letterers. Oh, there is there is talk about that about them being included. You're right. Yes, and also I like the I like the fact that her name has font in it. I, I like it too. Actually, it's kind of it's fun to say Saida <laughs> Tempafonte. Yes. Uh, now we open up, and if you recall, during the last issue, Rack we're gonna call Rack Shade Rack Shade and mm-hmm. uh, Shade just Shade as 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 is the norm now. Mm-hmm. Rack insisted that Shade relieve herself of her heart, and in fact did that. 
uh, well, like three dozen times. It was really annoying. Um, and so when we open, we have four pages of Shade trying to toss her heart away. Yeah. Only thing is, it keeps finding its way back to her, and so she locks it in a box and buries it. Mm. And that's uh, yeah, that's what we used to call symbolism when we were in the eighth grade, right? But that box isn't heart shaped. I don't really, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> She's not going to eat my, her cancer either. My yeah. Nirvana lyric. Uh, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> uh, and after she does this, she returns to the madness realm, where Rack is pleased to see that now she has a hole in her chest. Similar to his. I think that was a Nirvana lyric, hole in her chest. Anyway, uh, we, we <laughs> ship seeds over to a news report, and they're discussing the DCHEASAEA programs of alien ensnarement is what they're up to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd almost figure they'd have people demonstrating this for public knowledge, but I guess uh, maybe the public sentiment against aliens is not that great. Uh, the the report shifts to Valleyville, where it's confirmed that Megan's parents were burned to death, but they are led to believe that it was an accident and had flared up while they were cooking up the drug folly. <laughs> <laughs> the field reporter then shifts it to an old, an odd Picasso-esque abstraction and begins to rant. And uh, one of the emergency workers grabs her, claiming that exposure to the folly fumes have caused this. Uh, but I think it was a touch of the madness, personally. Uh, in, the, in the studio, we got a fake news mention, which I'm sure makes some people giddy, you know, and uh, tickles their fancy to see a little current events thrown in there. We get a brief insight over to other Valley Villians to get their reactions, and it's deduced that, simply put, Megan is bad news, and she messes up the lives of anyone she comes into contact with. Now, speaking of people Megan has come into contact with, we learn that ASEA astronaut in training and former Megan Boyer F buddy, Wes, will take the Boyer family dog. He's happy to have it since it's all he has left of her. Still speaking of people Megan's come into contact with, we shift over to River, who's getting his first eyeful of what the DCHE is all about. And he is morally conflicted. But really, what the hell did he expect this was going to be? This is an alien holding facility. He I don't. didn't expect that there'd be aliens being held there against their will? Or they'd be, they'd be all sitting around in a cafeteria, you know, just like yeah. they're in the green room waiting to go on live. You know, like, oh, when, when do we get out of here? You know, no. Yeah, it's like the village in the prison. They all have little, nice little uh, chateaus, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a good times and, and high tea. Um, now, uh, his boyfriend doesn't seem to be too bothered, uh, and in fact seems to be really amped about locking up as many extraterrestrials as humanly possible. We return to Shade now, and she's bellied up to the bar at a diner. She skips out on her bill, but leaves a book with the words Read Me written on the cover. The waitress picks it up and sees that it is the, quote, best guide to self-improvement, and it has a picture of Megan or Shade on it. She reads it over and then walks out of the diner in a daze. And then we get a page of different people reading similarly shade-themed books. Yeah, they're all a little bit different, but they're all like, you know, living the shade way. And yes. And when that woman walks out of the diner, she leaves the book behind and another person picks behind. it up. Yep. So it sort of has infection. I also like the way shade leaves the diner. She kind of like yeah, has that like loop. a madness <laughs> loop kind of envelop her and take her out. Uh, it's just, it was just a good little thing. Yes. But anyway, back at the DCHE, River runs into... Hellboy's sister, we missed you. Hey. She apparently works there because not all aliens are bad, or at least she's not one of the bad ones. Hmm. Uh, they chat for a bit, and River asks what planet good aliens come from, and we'll give you three guesses which one she responds with. Hmm. All right, it's meta, although maybe we should also accept Krypton, 
Oa, Mogo, New Genesis, even Mars. Uh, there are a couple of decent ones out there in the in the solar system. Uh, Hellboy's sister thinks that River has been using drugs, and he's adamant that he has not. And so she gives him some, and it's like huh? mad, madness <laughs> in a jar. Yeah, those little psychedelic paisleys. And she promises that this batch, this version of it, won't get him hooked. Yes, not like that street stuff. Exactly. Uh, now, we shift scenes again to a bar where Wes and the Boyer Mutt are having a drink. Now, they're soon joined by that mystery punk that killed the Boyers last issue. They awkwardly flirt, and when their heads draw near for a kiss, the punk transmits some paisleys from his mouth into Wes's. And then they bang. We think, right? It seems that way. They get naked. They definitely get naked. They're in a bed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The following morning, the punk leaves, but not before referring to Wes as Rocket, which I guess we could uh, assume was Megan's pet name for him when she was alive. Mm. Um, Back to Shade, uh, she's uh, meditating in the desert, and it's riveting stuff. Um, We see some paisleys show up in different locations, like a hotel and a stop sign and all that stuff. Uh, We see a Shade themed scarecrow and then shade is lost in a sort of hedge maze we do only see a portion of the hedge maze and uh, maybe if it pans out uh, or when it pans out it'll be revealed to be something important maybe it, it, <laughs> maybe, it does yeah. look like it's just it's a symbol it's of some kind but, but yeah. it, who knows could be anything i don't know it could be um, now as we said paisleys are going all over the place including a museum that a cupcake is visiting or That's right. cup or whatever the holy name is. I, think it's, uh, I forget. Something cup. There's a cup in it. There is a cup in it. There are eight ounces in it. Um, now, the Paisleys infect Van Gogh's Starry Night, and uh, Teacup notices this immediately. <laughs> no one <laughs> else seems to notice. Like in this, No one else cares. It's like, oh, I guess. Hey, is that, does that, does that they always have Paisley? I guess. Yeah, I is guess this, that's is how it looks. one of those magic eye things? Am I, my eyes crossed? Yeah. Uh, now, elsewhere, uh, Shade either yanks out her tongue, or starts chewing on raw meat. It's not really clear. It looks like she's chewing on raw meat. Okay, I didn't because I get... I don't know where she got the meat, or... No, this is a scene out of nowhere. It's just like, it's literally a panel just pops and looks like she's just horking down a T-bone, an uncooked T-bone, but I don't know. Uh, Then we uh, we finish up back with the punk, and he visits a dorm party to check in on former Megan foe, Seema. He seduces her, brings her to the roof, then reveals himself as a creepy bird creature. And then he kills her. All right. I mean, you know, the punk is Megan. Yes. It kind of confused me where the bird came from, but maybe there's just, like, remembrance of Loma. Yeah, well, there was that, like, egg in the stomach of one of them, but I don't know. We don't, I don't, even know, we what don't know what That I, was in... I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what the result of that was, to be honest with you. Uh, although that was Megan. That's right. That, that was, was Megan deposited that, didn't it? Something like that? When Megan and uh, Shade fought on yeah, the lawn. that's yeah. right. So, yeah, it's like maybe Megan impregnated, and maybe, who knows. Uh, just quickly, the, back, <laughs> the backdrop actually isn't horrible this time. I know uh, you didn't look at it, but it's uh, it's uh, it's Wes. It, it's uh, Megan's boyfriend. Deep Way into the future, they're tracking Megan around. Apparently, wherever she goes, she causes death, you know, in the body of that punk, and who knows what else. Uh, and while they're there... Uh, uh, Shade and Rack Shade visit because they're you know they sort of do the time hopping thing from an mm-hmm. issue or two ago, and uh, then Megan kills him, 
she shows up like as a ghost. It's almost like a Phantoma thing, to be honest with you, at the end. Hmm. She shows up as like a giant ghost, kills him, but then he's like, I only, you know, statistics say I fail, but I only have to, I have to try, I only have to win once, trying to stop Megan from ruining everything. So I guess he's also hopping through time. The implications were all right, and uh, hmm. at least it seemed to have to do with the story. That was something. It seems like it might have been more exciting than the story. Maybe, possibly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know, this this story had had some pacing problems, but I, but actually, it had I think a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, unfortunately, it was usually when Shade wasn't in it. That's a fact. <laughs> was was but I, I was really getting interested. Uh, yeah. Let me let me know what you think. What what you think of it? Well, I thought that just like you said, uh, this was a lot more interesting. The less shade was in it. Um, when we opened it up and it was four pages of her trying to throw a heart away, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be more of the same. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, it's no secret that I haven't enjoyed this book since it's come back. And it's the, the Megan stuff and the, the, the very the very you know, sophomoric depth that they're that they're really shoehorning into it. It, it ain't for me. Um, but uh I was very pleased that she kind of disappeared for the rest of the book, and uh, it gave us an opportunity to uh, to world build a little bit. Um, probably something that could have happened in the first issue, but uh, you know, it, it is only the third issue. It just yeah. feels like it's a lot further along. But it, uh, it feels like it should be further along, and we haven't. There's so much we. I mean, one of the problems with this character, as as you and I have talked about uh, off the air, is it's not clear what the madness is. No, it's not. What it does, how it works, what, how it affects things, whether everyone can see it, what they can see, if they can see it. Uh, there's so much left in the air. That's sort of like the nature of those late-era Ditko characters that he created, mm-hmm. sort of these nebulous power sets and uh, motives. Uh, and that, But so when you dwell in that, when you have things like her reaching out her madness across the land and infecting a Van Gogh painting, well, what the fuck does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, so what? I don't understand. Is is shouldn't that make everyone in the museum go nuts like, and run around? Yeah. It seems to have no effect. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, uh, so it it you know we need. I think in order to get back into shade, I I still am holding out hope, Chris, that we're gonna get a comeuppance for her because you know like River and Teacup aren't like that. Uh, no. they're not given to heady poetic ruminations and stuff like that. And I hope one of them eventually, you know, verbally or maybe physically slaps some sense slaps her in the face. Yeah. Uh, which would, which would redeem a lot of that. You know, I'd be like, all right, you know what I mean? This was, it was on purpose, but if we're, you know, four five, six issues down the line, and it hasn't happened. Then maybe I am <laughs> wrong about what I'm waiting for. Yeah. Then it doesn't uh, matter what the reveal is. And it, it just, <laughs> we've, it's going to be too much of an investment. We've gotten too much, uh, schmaltzy poetry. Uh, I like the Megan aspect with the, you know, what's going on there, kind of. With the punk? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I yeah. assume it's like the punk is for now, but I guess what are we called? We could just say like, you know, she's she's the punk, uh, and how like now she's become like innate evil. That's kind of like how they they bring it about in this issue. That like, sure, she's more than just like a teenage bitch. She is like supremely evil, and I think being unlocked from her body allows her to just be as bad as it, bad as she want to be you know what i mean sure sure and she got rid of her her parents are gone so there's nothing exactly there, there's no tether there and if uh and i i don't understand why she didn't kill wes uh, that she really didn't have much of a problem with him besides the fact that he left her to die in the water but uh <laughs> but uh, she did kill the the uh, the the mean girl bully so there's maybe, that maybe she gave him the disease that there is no cure for uh-oh 
Who knows? I don't know. But uh, Paisley AIDS. <laughs> that could be some Paisley AIDS. <laughs> oh, man. Another Nirvana song. My favorite. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what'd you give this one on the old site? I gave it a, uh, a tick up. It went to 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, you know, I think I'm kind of in between 7.5 and 8. I think I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, maybe a, a scooch, a scotch more than you did. Hmm. Uh, you know, this book I think is warming up it to be a book. If you like, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know how to explain it because uh, because Shade is such a nebulous kind of character. I, you know, yeah. definitely if you liked Shade before, you're probably gonna like Shade now. This it's it's still pretty intriguing. Uh, although where is Tentacle Guy with the Green Lantern ring already? Yeah, you know? he just uh, he just showed up for like two or three panels in the first in issue. In the first and issue, he... and I, that's something I'm really waiting to see what's up. And it kind of made mm-hmm. me think that Hedge Maze might be a lantern. Might be a lantern. That's but, what I was thinking. But it's sort of maybe not. You know, there's no way to tell from what we see. So it's uh it's up in the air. But yeah, I think I think I would have gone eight with this. I bet. Mm-hmm. Eh. Depends, depends. If I had a headache, I would have done 7.5, just like you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't hate this book. You know, I, I, I have an all right time with it. How is that, folks? Is that, uh, is that enthusiastic <laughs> enough for you? <laughs> I don't want to punch myself in the face repeatedly. There are way more w- annoying books that I, that I read. So, uh, <laughs> you go. How, how about that? That's, uh, that's, that's a ringing endorsement. That's the endorsement from the young animal fellas <laughs> on the weird Science podcast. But next week we do have another young animal book and that one is going to be eternity girl. Number three. Mm-hmm. which uh, I've also been warming up to, Chris. So we'll see. You and I may uh, diverge strongly on this one. We'll see. Uh, it could be exciting for the listener to hear us uh, yelling and screaming. I don't I don't really foresee us yelling and screaming. Probably any, not. Any young animal book, unless it's about a Doom Patrol delay. Well, when is when is number 12 coming out? Oh, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> let me get out my sextant. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> Uh, according to the sundial, it should be any, uh, never, ever, ever, ever. Oh man. It's such a sad thing. Anyway, it is. Let's not dwell on that. That is done. And now we look only to the future and the future is where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. So I think that's all we got from Chris. Got anything else for him? No, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. to the Young Animal segment on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And uh, today we have an Young Animal comic for you to uh, <laughs> to read, as we usually do most weeks. This week it is Eternity Girl number three by Magdalene Visaggio, Sonny Liu, and Chris Chukri. Now, uh, if you remember, Caroline destroyed Director Sloan's uh, home at the end of the last issue, kind of walked away. Uh, 
cool, you know what I mean? Kind of like with the... Mm-hmm. Like the, a the Konami home. video game ending. Very much like that, yeah, with the smoking <laughs> rubble in the background. So now police have gathered and cordoned off Director Sloan's home, but the family is okay. He also has a son and daughter, which I don't think we knew before this. Uh, cop wants to start getting statements and investigating the, you know, the fact that his house has collapsed into a pile of rubble, but Director Sloan says... Absolutely not. He says this is an internal matter and will be dealt with in private. He flashes his Alpha 13 badge. And Chris, doesn't this look like something you could make yourself? I think like, so. It doesn't yeah. look that crazy to me. It looks this like a fake MS ID. Paint stuff, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, so the cop calls the precinct to corroborate. He's told there will be no report made. Meanwhile, all the universe's cosmic entities meet up, and they're discussing the fact that Astralis is dead. Now, she was a cosmic entity, too. Remember, Caroline killed her in the last issue as part of this quest to undo reality and, uh, in doing so, commit suicide. Uh, mm-hmm. right, let's meet them. Our cosmic entities are Lord Crash. This is a guy in an afro and a tracksuit jacket. Lord Chaos looks kind of like Merlin, but in a green fez with wings. He looks like that wizard that used to, uh, God, what is his name? He used to fight the Teen Titans a lot. You know what I'm talking about? Mm, I can't maybe think imagining of Maybe things. Uh there's Lord Order, who looks like a stereotypical Buddhist monk, and Lord Kismet, who's like outer space in the shape of a giant woman. Uh, mm. it, isn't this all like Marvel stuff here, Chris? This seems it like... looks kind of marvel but yeah. DC does have cosmic energy. Oh, but... all right. It, it really yeah. felt very Marvelish here, i got to tell you, but that's okay. Yeah, Kismet especially. That looks very much like a female eternity. Yes, uh, very much. very, very similar. Um, now, the, the result of this conversation is that Lord Crash decides he has come to Earth and uh, deal with, to deal with this uh, Caroline issue, especially if she's going to be, you know, running around killing cosmic entities he might have uh, some proprietary yeah. uh, interest in that uh now searching through the rubble uh, of his home in his underwear doctor director sloan finds a safe which he opens and removes from it a file it is for rick rex the Neverman. A big red stamp indicates that he's retired uh, but looks like sloan is uh he's going through his options he's going to give him a call anyway and it seems like uh, Lord Crash arrives on Earth in time to get that call. Uh, Lord Crash is a black guy, and Neverman seems to be a white guy. But, I mean, they're cosmic entities, so I yeah. guess I guess they can do that. You know what I mean? The skin color is not a big change when you are... And, uh, and if we're being honest, when it's cosmic entities, I can't tell them apart anyway. That, they all look the same. They all look the same. <laughs> uh, anyway, elsewhere, Caroline calls Danny, and she wants to apologize for the previous night, remember... She stormed out of that comedy club that Danny took her to, and eventually that's when she went to Director Sloan's and knocked down his house. Uh, She says she went to see Sloan last night, tells her the truth, but says it went badly. That's pretty much all she says. And before Danny could press for details, Caroline ends the call. Later with her therapist, Caroline unburdens some more. And here in this scene, we start getting the idea that her therapist in this world is Madam Adam in that other outer space place that that other Mm. story is taking place uh where caroline that's where caroline's trying to destroy reality but it all seems to like bleed into this reality it's it's unclear whether it's all happening in her head or Mm. what am i right or or do do you have it all sewed up chris i'm not sure (laughs) no i think it's it's strange i i i don't know (laughs) I, i feel like it's it's these things are happening simultaneously uh but they are informing one another but uh yeah it's like two different head spaces but yeah uh, 
it's hard it's hard to even it's hard to commit to, to where we're just where we're at if we're in reality or in that it is you only know when they kind of go to that pulp coloring but uh yeah anyway so uh uh you know this so madam adam explains that they've got to destroy the shining tower this is the pillar of existence uh she says they're not just here so caroline can end her life but to end the cycle and I feel a little meta-commentary coming on here, Chris. I'll tell you what. Uh, it feels sort of like they have something to tell us. Uh, a combination of Caroline's therapist and Madam Adam say that the chaos engine must be fired up, and in doing so, they'll accelerate entropy, and this will provide the distraction they need to destroy the Shining Tower. So, all right, that's the plan. Yes. Uh, back at Director Sloan's, the Neverman shows up, and uh, he looks kind of like an unassuming dude in a bootleg Geoforce outfit. With jodhpurs, you notice that? Like, why does he yeah. have, he looks like a pilot or something, but I guess that's... Very right. strange. Uh, Neverman, uh, he shows some concern for Caroline. He says uh, she really wanted to get back to working for Alpha 13. If you remember, she's been trying to prove that she's capable, yeah. um, but she keeps killing people. Uh, Sloan reminds Neverman and the reader that she was unpredictable. To make matters worse, Sloan is worried that Caroline will discover one of her powers, and this would be the power to create nuclear fission, which could be a bad thing. Uh, Sloan tells Neverman that he's needed to stop Caroline from causing nuclear Armageddon, Armageddon even, <laughs> as Rick Rex. Ooh, I bet they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Spoiling everything. I bet. Uh, we'll see. Uh, now, back in that whatever outer space story with Madam Adam, the, she reveals that she has killed Caroline before, but Caroline came back due to a reboot. And there's our reference to Milk Wars. And this actually sort of explains what was going on in those backups where we were like... There were backups in Milk Wars? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're, you, you, were, you were blind to them, but they were there. And I remember being, you know, I was like, something's going on here. I'm not sure, but now... What we were seeing there was sort of the story of Chrysalis happening or whatever. Coming back, yeah. Uh, and now, for some reason, she's therefore indestructible due to a reboot, even though I've never heard of a character becoming indestructible. If anything, they become more killable, right? Once, yeah. Once you've rebooted, the characters can now die and come back in rep, but I guess that's the cycle they're talking about here. Unless you're Resurrection Man. That's, it. that's the way it usually goes. That's true. He's That's the one exception. Uh, <laughs> or maybe, uh, you know... Uh, Dead man, you know, he has kind of a funny way of coming back and leaving or whatever. Sure. Uh, but this puts her, Caroline, in a unique position to destroy reality. She's sort of like the remainder of this reality, I guess. So back on Earth, Danny heads over to Caroline's farm to check on her and uses a key on top of her door jam to let herself in. It's taped there. Very, uh, not a great idea, but very useful in this case. Mm-hmm. The place is empty and sparse, but a window to the fire escape's open and the curtains are blowing in, so... Danny scales the fire escape and sees Caroline up there standing on the edge. At that moment, in that space reality, Caroline approaches the chaos engine, and this kind of jumps back and forth. In the real world, Caroline reveals she knows she can create fission and figures that should be enough to destroy her body. So as Caroline touches the chaos engine in space and sort of like juices it up the way the plan that was the, the you know the plan they were going to do. She also launches off the roof on Earth, and as she's falling. She explodes into a brilliant blast of light, heat, and radiation. And mm-hmm. we leave it there. She created nuclear fission, I guess, and it looks like her body gets pretty desiccated. I don't know if uh, that would be kind of a neat trick to take out the main character in the third issue. Okay. Uh, definitely <laughs> would take it another another direction, but I'd be curious to know what happens. But what did you think of this, Chris? 
<laughs> you weren't into it. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so dull. Um, it's so dull. Uh, it feels like I'm reading like a uh, an Oni book from like 1999, yeah. where they're trying to be meta. Yeah. Back before that was overdone, uh, but it's still so dull. And uh, I mean, even the art is dull. It's just everything looks boring. It's just I, I, I it took me about three or four tries to get through this issue, and uh, I, I still it left very little impact on me. It's not bad. I really can't get mad at it. Yeah. But it's just so boring. It is definitely, uh, you know, I was saying before, and I say this about so many comics these days. It's. Uh, what do I say? You know, five pounds of crap in a ten-pound bag. It's just yeah. It's this is like a this is like a three-issue story. I mean, we can only, we can only say after it's done, really, whether you know these sure. issues issues are wasted yeah. or justified. But it definitely feels like here we are in a third issue, and I'm finally starting to get some kind of a clue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean as to what's happening, and it's like, well, we're halfway through the story, and it's uh, yep. you know, that last issue was a placeholder, and we see this all the time, so. Uh, that's definitely a problem. Pacing is a big problem with the story, but mm-hmm. this this issue being the one where suddenly we got more connections between this and that other reality, even though we're not clear exactly what's happening there, whether that's in her like hallucination or whatever. Yeah. And uh, the fact that we got a palpable danger in the yeah, nuclear, there's a threat. The yeah. nuclear fission. It was like suddenly the stakes uh, emerged. You know what I mean? Otherwise, it was like, well, I don't know what happens when she destroys the pillar of reality <laughs> in uh, you know space, but I do know what happens when she when she has a meltdown on Earth and that that look like that happened. So I enjoyed that. I definitely I hear what you're saying about the art. I think it's fine. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, I think it works it. for this, but it's definitely not you know jazzing me up. And there's nothing going on like as far as like great color work you know it, it, it definitely it, it, this there's nothing in the art that makes me take away points but i'm definitely not adding anything for it you know Certainly. Certainly. uh but i definitely i really did appreciate that uh this story feels like all right now i feel like there are stakes uh i almost would have liked it it'd be kind of cool if this were the last issue uh left it kind of on a weird you know open-ended i'm with you there uh that would be interesting but who knows maybe the next three issues will be so good chris you'll they will Blow your ever loving mind. You'll you'll they might you'll have uh, <laughs> you kicked yourself forever ever <laughs> doubting it. So on the site because I got pretty jazzed about the fact this story's going. So I gave this an eight point five out of ten. Where do you think you'd be? Um, I usually started a seven and I didn't get nudged up or down. So I think I'd stick with a seven. All right, I think that's fair enough. You know that definitely is. Uh, I'd say if you've been walking down the path, I'd say you can keep walking down the rest of this series <laughs> uh, unless you. Have hated it, you know. This is this this would sure. be, be your make or break. Because if you spend another four bucks, well, I feel like well, you might as well spend another eight. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you almost did it. Uh, so that's it for our book this week. But we do have one coming next week that I'm pretty excited about. What's that, Chris? That is Cave Costin has an insta interstellar that 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 interstellar number three. Yeah, that I'm looking forward to. But my uh, enthusiasm has been tempered, Chris. That's right, with some breaking young animal news. Yes, we have some news, and we also have a message that came at the back of this issue that we'll get into in a second. Now, The Beat reports that DC's young animal current line winds down, so it's going away. However... <laughs> Doom Patrol is going to return <laughs> sometime in our lifetime. Wow. Maybe. Uh, now it says here most of a young animal's current lineup of titles, which includes Shade the Changing Woman, 
Cave Carson has an interstellar eye, Mother Panic, Gotham AD, and the miniseries Eternity Girl will be ending after their sixth issues in August. I, I don't know why we're clarifying that one's a miniseries and the other three are not. I know. According to the information we're about to get, this was all yes. part of the plan. In a statement exclusively provided to The Beat, uh, Gerard Way said, I want to give everyone an update on Young Animal. In August, you know that, that imprint that I run? That uh, yeah. Let me give you an update. In August, Shade, <laughs> Cave Carson, and Mother Panic will end at issue six, as we originally planned alongside Eternity Girl. Yeah. Uh, it's been an incredible run for each of them, and I'm so thankful also to live. all the writers and artists who began <laughs> this journey with me and who created such incredible stories. Also lies. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, even now, though there are plans for Doom Patrol's return of this series in particular, Way said that it's also important to me that we get the Doom Patrol schedule back on track. We'll be taking a few months' break so we can get caught up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Way went on to indicate that Young Animal itself would return in the future, stating this is not the end of Young Animal. Uh, we still have more t-shirts to make and news to share when we come back with Doom Patrol. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of these amazing series. So, obviously, Chris and I do not believe that these were intended to be, except for Eternity Girl, which was solicited as a six-issue mini. Uh, the others were not intended to be six-issue minis. They're not reading like that, I'll tell you what. And uh, but, you know, this is sort of the story of all comics is that, you know, it's the numbers. You know, I think if, he, if Eternity Girl were selling 100,000 copies an issue, it would also suddenly grow wings and become a, an ongoing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, it's sort of a little bit of a, you know, uh, it, it, I'd say it's Gerard's being a little facetious here, but uh, it's full of shit. Yeah. But but at the same time. The reason they're cutting it is because they're not selling. That's that's really the the numbers aren't there to justify doing it. So that Absolutely. that would happen with all with a lot of books is, is all I'm saying. You know, this isn't like a unique to Young Animal. No. Uh, but yeah, this this definitely these were not planned as uh, no. six issue this minis. Is, this is just another sign of the bendicing of the DC universe here, where uh, you know we've got prices going up and now books that are failing are oh no they were always intended right. to end. We right. get this bullshit from them like any time a Bendis book didn't sell. Uh, it's just, it's irritating. And uh, it, it, we'll, it's, we'll see if the events start growing another issue, too. That's another Bendis effect over there, too. Oh, right? Lord. Yeah. And, oh, this was planned as six <laughs> issues, but suddenly I had a great idea for seven. Seven and 7.1 and 7.2 and 7.3. Oh, it'll make it so much better, everybody. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a whole other world. But meanwhile, as for this, I don't. I also don't believe Young Animal will come back in any appreciable way. I think oh. you, I think we might see something on the on the order of an annual or a or a graphic novel, specials, or, a graphic yeah. novel, stuff like that. I don't see uh, the, getting back into the single issues. And I, you know, ironically, the one that we least want him to do it seems like he wants to come back and do the doom doom patrol i would much rather see almost any of these other books continue on sure Uh, but his doom patrol was such an abject failure yeah uh he should slink away with his tail between his legs and forget it or or bring doom patrol back with a different uh different writer that'd be fine yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, uh you know someone who actually can commit to uh even a bi-monthly schedule so someone who will do something At least, at least commit to some schedule at all. How about that? You know, sure. Like if it's sure. Gonna be, it's going to be twice a year. Well, let's make it twice yeah. a year. But yeah, we uh, can't complain about it being late because it's, it's true. twice a year. So, uh, 
But yeah. the, this book did uh, it did come with a uh, with a editorial, which I didn't get. I, I'm looking at my comp now, and it, it was not included with the comp. So you'll have to tell yes. me all about it. It's uh, it's all about writing, according to Gerard Way, well, and right. uh, he talks about midpoints, which kind of uh, is which is kind of why I think the beat got this hot news uh-huh. is because the editorial kind of suggested that. We're at the halfway point of Young Animal right now with these third issues, and they're all going to be going away with number six. Mm. Uh, one of the more uh, interesting parts of this is a, a bit of information that was shared with Gerard Way by Grant Morrison that said, uh, you know, writing is a muscle that needs to be exercised every day. Or, in the case of Gerard Way, once every yeah. few months. When he gets around to it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so when the yeah. Making ventures are, are out of the way. He can he can start to be creative. That's funny though. He like pay like paved the laid the groundwork for the news that uh yep. you know we are wrapping up the young animal imprint. So <laughs> uh you know again, hope you're enjoying it. And, and truthfully, we are kind of okay with uh Mother Panic. We've been kind sure. of like enjoying as we go along and you know Cape Carson. So we'll be on. Till the end of the ride, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, till August, and then after that, I don't know what Chris and I will do with all our free time. We won't have to. Uh, I think we... we'll just come on for like two minutes every episode and say Doom Patrol didn't come out this week. <laughs> no, no solicit for Doom Patrol. This, this is your Doom Patrol news. <laughs> Catch you next week. You know, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a whole other podcast for that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? Nope, I think that's it. Uh, next week we've got, again, Cave Carson number three. Yep, but we, so we'll be back next week with that. But until then, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. See ya. segment on the weird science dc comics.com podcast my name is reggie name is chris and we have our weekly offering for you this week of uh what we called may 16th was the day right uh it's uh cave carson (laughs) has an interstellar eye number three written by john rivera art by michael avon oming nick filardi and the backup by paul maybury so right now it's time for Cave Carson to do a little psychotherapy with the help of his cybernetic eyes. So it's cyber psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. If you recall, he, you know, there was this whole war between the laser monks and the Najire, and Cave wants to get to the bottom of it, and he's going to go inside the brain of somebody that has sort of come around to thinking that the war maybe is foundless. This war, this endless war, he's not feeling it. His name is Zot. So, near as we can tell here, Cave, Dr. Mark Barstow, and Zot the Laser Monk have shared a quasi-spiritual brain link that's probably, you know, 
meditation plus technology uh, that mm. allows Cave and Mark to stroll through Zot's mind. And, of course, they're all on some psychedelic drug, but when aren't they, right, Chris? I mean, that's true. That's pretty much every day in the Cave Carson world. Uh, also, in the real world, they are all nude, but we'll find that out later. Now, uh, while they're in Zot's brain, Dr. Mark Barstow takes the form of a bat, and he says that of the two test subjects that he tried uh, before doing this, uh, you know, real run, only the bat survived. So that's the safest form that he can take. So that's got a 50% chance the bat would survive this. Uh, Cave is actually spelunking through Zot's brain, checking out all of his memories. And he asks Zot about them as he goes. And this is where we learn the history of the laser monks. They had a difficult, toilsome life until the progenitor, who looks like he could have been Cave Carson's cousin, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much, except he's got, he got. You know what? I I wonder if he's supposed to be Stanley. Uh, I wonder, right? He's, <laughs> he's got he's got these kind of tinted sunglasses and yeah, kind of a Stanish. Oh, it it would be Stan from the seventies. It wouldn't be modern Stanley. I anyway, that that is a conjecture. But anyway, the progenitor he shows up, teaches them to harvest crystals from within the planet. This forces them to kind of spread out from their area, become a little more nomadic, and they find new resources. Uh, it also looks like the work becomes a lot more dangerous, though, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Suddenly they're getting chased by frog monsters. Yes, so it, it's, <laughs> that's it, the end result, yes. But Zot doesn't mention that. It's, it's, it's interesting how we come around to seeing that their, you know, their savior, their progenitor, was, was kind of a prick. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a while, the laser monks were also then able to trade in stories. What? I don't really, I don't really get this stuff. <laughs> The stories and the crystals are together are somehow like the like the pink crystals that are being mined here create stories. I, I was very unclear about how that worked. Yeah, but it looks like it looks like the progenitor was the progenitor was the one telling them. So something uh, anyway. But life was much less toilsome after that. They were with the crystals. I guess they had some dough. Uh, even as the stories began to lose their impact and value, and then not long after that, the progenitor disappeared. Ascending to the outer realm, and then the Najiri showed up, and a conflict began. Mm, as Zot thinks of the Najiri, things get a little dangerous for Cave and Mark. Zot's brain space also begins uh, spouting some black goo. Uh, while this happens, the Najiri uh, continue to converge on the Laser Monk's headquarters in the real world. However, Chloe and a small detail of laser monks are there waiting for them. Uh, Chloe's got herself a red and blue striped Uzi with a red bulldog's face on the side, and she refers to it as Uncle Jack. Cool. Uh, why not? <laughs> Is that a, you think that's a reference to a, a wild dog? Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's no question about it. That, that's like as if that's he's there with her in spirit, you know, and it. <laughs> I'm cool with that. And that's actually like, you know, like this stupid paint jobs on guns is like a very huge modern thing it's a it's a big sure. trend to get these uh kind of like stripy paint jobs so it's all within this culture i love to see it yes and something wild dog would definitely do absolutely uh, yeah. when the jury get close they're trapped in a uh like a domed uh like a like an american gladiators laser cage yeah it's yeah basically the, but yeah the, the bars are made of lasers it was just mm-hmm. okay <laughs> Now, while in there, uh, Tomo tries to uh, commit mutiny on Lord Gout. Remember, this is their thing. However, Chloe shoots his hand off. Gout kicks Tomo through the laser cage, and his body is sliced and diced into chunks. (laughs) So now we see what the stakes are here. Uh, With the Najiri captured, Chloe is able to link Cave and Mark with them somehow something maybe maybe something something happens there the nigeria get involved in this thing that cave and mark are doing (laughs) in zot's mind but it's unclear how but then again i'm not sure if it would make sense even if they explained it to us (laughs) 
So whatever it is the case, they are still diving deeper into Zot's brain, and that's where they find that what's been stressing laser monks and Najire is these glowing Metroid things that feed off people's pain and anxiety. Yeah, those are uh, Thetans. No, don't let's not get it. Don't get. We don't want to get sued here for uh, by certain Tom Cruise-ish characters. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the reason these creatures are having trouble taking root in Zot and uh, and the, why he was able to doubt the war between the Laser Monks and Najiri in the first place is because there's a fragment of the imploded Star Adam. That was that rock star from the first issue. That was an actual star. Remember that? Yeah, the, the prince-looking guy. Right. Uh, kind of like Prince meet Little Richard. That's what, that's what I had said. Yes. About that. Uh, so this fragment of star is what's allowed Zot to have his daydreams and memories, despite these crawly embryos inside of him wanting to generate fear and anxiety. They sort of like repulse these little gross snot rockets. So uh, Scabe decides he must go deeper and, uh, and bond with these creatures, and that's pretty dangerous, says Barstow. An alien brain bond within an alien brain bond. We're getting brain bondception here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he focuses a red beam from his cybernetic eye on um, one of the those gooey monsters, and then he's within the black and white world of their origin, and Zot is now with them somehow. So, <laughs> all right. Now, it seems the progenitor was desperate to find more crystals, you know, after he'd given them to the laser monks to mine them all, of course. Or he'd gotten the laser monks to mine them all. Right. Uh, he, he was so obsessed with having adventures and, uh, therefore, more valuable stories. Uh, the progenitor touched some black goop, which wound up consuming him. Uh, a young laser monk came in to check on him, and he was infected by the progenitor. Uh, this was the birth of the amoebas that feed on meanness. <laughs> So the progenitor didn't ascend to anything. He was greedy and uh, wound up becoming uh, one of those snot monsters. Yeah, it's funny, though, how this shows that, you know, it's all about your narrative, folks. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the the, the victors control the the story of history. So uh, (laughs) it could be a lot of snot monsters in our past. Anyway, so (laughs) things start getting hairy in the brain world while Zod pieces this betrayal together. Uh, Chloe shows up to rip, rip the helmet from Cave's head. That's allowing it all to take place, and that saves them. And that's uh, this is where we find out that they are all naked, sitting in a full circle. That's right. We get some. We get a little bit of full <laughs> frontal, folks. Uh, yeah, I have no more to say about it. They, you will, you will see Dork. Uh, the Najire are impressed with Cave's work here. They're they're here, like they're okay. That's cool. They're hanging out. But then a laser monk shows up, starts zapping away with his forehead diamond, and the Najire think it's a trick. They've been ambushed. Cave points out this is just what the emotional egg yolks want from them. Uh, just then a massive phlegm monster rises from a brackish pool. It slaps Cave across the, well, Cave, and then uh, mm. it seems unbeatable, but Cave Carson's got a plan. Yes, he yells to Zot that the monster is feeding off the crystals from the cave. So Zot gets the Najiri to team up with the laser monks. And then they concentrate the crystals out of it? Something happens there. Like, they just kind of hang out. Like they stand near it, and the crystals just pop out. And it, even with a noise, skapow. Skapow. Okay. <laughs> it looks like the progenitor's skeleton slides out as well. Uh, as you might imagine, this leaves the creature weak. So uh, Chloe blasts it with the Mighty Mole, which causes a big explosion. Now, Dr. Mark Barstow takes a ladle of the goo before that, uh, so that will come into play a little bit later. Uh, outside, Laser Monks and Najire are expectorating blue blobs out of, like, every orifice in their faces. Uh, mm-hmm. And out in space, the remnants of these blue blobs meet up with fragments of Star Atom, which bothers them, but then all of it gets sucked up by some robot with a vacuum cleaner? Yeah. Well, whatever, that's fine. 
I guess so. You know, someone's got to do it, right? <laughs> that, that, that was the space mom. She was like, yo, damn kids, never pick up. Uh, back on the planet's surface, the Najire and laser monks have erected a monument to the progenitor. Uh, it's his bones are ringed with pink crystals, so I think it's also sort of keeping him in stasis. Hmm. Uh, these these crystals like hovering hovering around it. Doctor Barstow gives his sample of the goo to Zat, explaining it still has interesting psychoactive properties. He'd been sipping it all day and seeing what he sees. He's tripping pretty hard, huh, Chris? I'm telling you, this guy's, oh, yeah. he's pretty messed up. After that, Cave and the gang say goodbye. Off to new adventures. Many cycles later, Zot is running a cantina. Large pink crystals jut from the ground, and uh, we uh, guess stories are back, right? Because they come from the crystals. And sure. Maybe. <laughs> I, sure. Just, I, I don't even know what the. <laughs> I really yeah. don't know what any of that stuff was about. <laughs> no, it also seems that Zot and, the, and that Najiri got together and they had themselves a kid. And he sings a Star Adam song to it as a lullaby. Well, that is a beautiful ending. The backup is. is another recording of Cave Carson as an educational podcast, which continues the story from last week. Just real briefly, looks like Cave had to make a difficult decision, leave one of his teammates behind in a unique way, and that probably won't end well for him, I'm thinking. So so this issue was a visual treat, huh, Chris? That's really oh, the main thing I would say about it is it's uh, the cl- next best thing you can do to actual doing the psychedelic drugs. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this story? Uh, the story, it, it was it was confusing. It was kind of muddled. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, but I, you, I, when you read something like this, it almost has to be. I mean, I I didn't I maybe understood every third word, but I know I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, well, you, you got the big the big beats, right? That that yeah. Two yeah. two warring factions have been mind controlled by organisms. Fighting over something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you see, you got that much. That's uh, about it. That really would be the, the, the whole thing with the stories. I don't know what was going on there. I gotta be honest. And I did, I did love that the, you know, Cave Carson's a cave explorer, so they actually have him yes. like mentally spelunking. I yeah, that I, I like really... that. I thought that was a good. And the fact, the fact even that Barstow is a bat, a cave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that bat. was definitely yep. uh, that was cool. Uh, and like, yeah, it's the visuals that really. This oh, obviously oh, was okay. where they they let aiming they let oming. Uh, they were just like go nuts, you know, have fun, and uh, it was I think to good effect. Yeah, you know, I I had some troubles with this. these pink crystals have never been cut and dry for us, no. right? Like what what do they do? They go through dimensions. They're made of stories. Yeah, it, yeah they they do what's convenient, I guess. It's, I guess uh... it's whatever you want. <laughs> we can be whatever you want us to be, maybe. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I really am not sure what's up with that. However. It's not really breaking my heart, and I really had a good no. time with this story. And like the overall story, the idea, I mean, you probably could see something like that on, you know, similar on Star Trek or any number of sci-fi um, shows or you know, what I mean, books or whatever. But uh, oh, yeah. this, it's the introduction of this intense psychedelic imagery that just kicks it to another level and makes it uniquely cave. Another thing I loved about this, Chris, from what I can tell, I'm, I'm going to call this a two-part arc. We could go to three. Because technically mm-hmm. it kind of leads out of that Star Adam thing, but this this Laser Monks Najire battle it, we only we it was only these past two issues only You're these right. two issues and yeah I have to love that whenever I see it I have to <laughs> bring it break out the bugle and tootaloot because I mm-hmm. I hate these endless six issue or longer arcs oh, yeah. so seeing something like this 
and seeing that essentially what looks like they're going to go off to the you know new alien of the of the month, which is what I would. That's cool. I'd like to that's see a little wanted. bit of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that really perked me up a lot. But uh, to me, a lot of this, a lot of my feeling goes to the visuals of this. Uh, you know, if you've come along this far and you like Oming's work, this might be one of his best single issues as far as like. For sure. Uh, the look. Although, you know, it's not like he comes, he's been uh, lax on the other ones. Uh, I'm trying to see what comes in next week here. And uh, couldn't couldn't tell you if my life depended on it. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how to find anywhere to on the internet. Yeah, how does the internet <laughs> go? But uh, anyway, I uh, I gave it an 8.5. Either Mother ten. Panic or Shade. I, it's got to be, that's what it is. I know it's either one of those two. But it, uh, to... Uh, just to wrap up with the score, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I was glad to do it. I really was very positive about it. What, what would you give it, you think? I'd, I'd probably come in right around there as well. I, I'd be between an 8 and an 8.5. Yeah. Because, um, like we said, the story is kind of bonkers. It is a, has, all over the place. has some clunky parts, you know, where it's like, what? Okay. And it's and it's also, as you mentioned, it's also a very stock sci-fi plot. Right. So it's uh, kind of just like, it's kind of like <laughs> taking a regular plot and you know, feeding it mushrooms and this is what you get. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really good. The backup was decent, um, which I don't get to say very often. Uh, this, this copy actually came with a backup. So yep. I read it. Uh, <laughs> oh, you actually read it too. Wow. That's even, that's even something better. Uh, it is, but yeah, I, I did enjoy it. Um, the, the, the backups have been cool. This, they are sort of like, you know, it's, what do you think it is? It's this podcast, which was related to, they mentioned it last issue, right? He thought the laser monks knew mm-hmm. them because of the podcast. And, uh, you know, it's like a little three pages, a little bit of another story. So, And what's, what's great about it, like you have this, you have Cave Carson doing a podcast in the DC universe where like to us, it's, it's very interesting, but to the DC universe, it's probably the most mundane stuff. Yeah. It's just like, I went into a cave. It's like, well, doesn't Superman have a podcast? Maybe <laughs> it's, it, it makes you wonder if these other guys, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like Booster Gold would have a podcast, right? I feel oh, a couple yeah, of these definitely. guys would have podcasts. So, uh. Maybe that's a whole other genre to explore would be mm-hmm. the podcast within comics. But uh, as we mentioned, and I'm still, I, I couldn't tell you what the hell's coming out next week. My life depended on it. I really, you know what I mean? Where, where do we find <laughs> this information out these days? Uh, yeah, Shade or Mother Panic next week. I really don't know which Maybe. one. Yeah. I think it's Mother Panic, right? Isn't that the one that's been like? I think that one comes in. I think that's the order that it goes yeah. here. I'm... Well, while we vamp here, I can check. <laughs> we will figure it out, but... Uh, Mother Panic, Mother Panic. This, you know, Cave Carson, I got to tell you, and I, I think so far I'm enjoying this run of Cave Carson more than uh, the other one, the, uh, what do we call it, Cybernetic Guy? Yeah. Um, which we liked a lot, too, but that one really dragged along Just and yeah. uh, essentially was one 12-issue arc. Uh, mm-hmm. You could probably break it into two, six. There were kind of two acts to it, but it really was just one dragged out art. This oh, one is yeah. much more peppy. I think it's like a little more silly. Cave Carson seems less dragged down by, you know, the less of a cross to bear. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, sure. Chloe, Chloe's puffing that pipe all the time. So, you know, she's doing all right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, even, even while she's fighting, she's puffing this little pipe. So. She is. She falls asleep with it in her mouth. She does. This is, <laughs> this is a lot of drugs going on in this book. I'll tell you what, that's, that's definitely like a hallmark of this book. But uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. You know, I, it's this, it's, Really, just thinking about it, it's really making me uh, not thrilled that these comics are ending at six because yeah. some of these are pretty good. Uh, anyway, what are you going to do? 
That's right. That's life. <laughs> but it's not over. Gerard Way said so. That's right. For some future day, we will get another Doom Patrol. Our but... kids will tell us about uh, how this all turned out. We will. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I have no, I'm not holding my breath for that. But I think, even though we kind of uh, fumbled the ending here, I think I, that's all we got for him there. Chris, got anything so. else for yeah. Uh, no, that, that'll do it. And uh, next week is Mother Panic. All right. Next week is Mother Panic number three, I would guess, right? Sure. That's yep. So uh, looking forward to that, and we'll be back to talk about that. But if that's all we got for him, then I think I'm going to tell him to keep it young and animalistic. segment on the weird science dc comics.com podcast my name is reggie my name is chris and we have one count them one young animal comic to talk about here today which one is it chris this one is mother panic gotham ad number three we got different bat channel part three by jody hauser ibrahim mustafa and jordan boyd um and this is uh picking up not too long after we left off last issue so uh we do open with a scene briefly touching on Arkham's transition from Asylum to Institute. If, uh, you know, uh, Arkham Asylum is that scary place where the bad guys are kept, but That's not right. here. This is a more uh, holistic healing place, a new agey type of a... Uh, place. Right. <laughs> now, or at least that's the facade, you see. That is the facade, because inside we meet Gala. That's that blood painter we met all those months ago, and mm. she is rather troubled. She's reporting to her team that a certain member of her inner circle, or at least a member of her staff, has been working against the collective. Now, we learned last issue that that member was Harleen Quinzel, who Gala has made an example of, or maybe uses a cautionary tale for those in her in her employ who might have similar ideas yeah. about turning against the collective. That's kind of how you have to be when you're like a, yeah. a crime boss or whatever. You, you can't let people <laughs> slide on the small things or else it's chaos. It's chaos. It's all out of whack. Yeah. Uh, we hop down to the sewers below Arkham where Mother Panic makes her way through and she's bending bars and uh, vowing to find her mother all along the way. Along the way, she finds Arlene Quinzel, who has uh, either been badly burned in the face or slashed up real good around the eyes. Possibly both. She looks really bad. Looks like she has, like, a blood domino mascot almost. Yes, absolutely. Gross. Now, uh, Violet rescues her from her sewer cell with the condition that she share with her some information. Now, I, I, I got backtracked. When she goes into this uh, the cells on the bottom and she's counting... You know, 16, 17. 17. Like, mm-hmm. This one's got to be it. I understand she goes into that one because that leads her forward, but I thought she was looking for like a special weakness. Like a, yeah. you know what I mean? Like she was gonna, she was gonna figure out some kind of a trap, or, but no, she just, you know, wrenched the bars off. She could have just punched a hole in the wall for all that mattered. You know what I mean? She's got this like super suit. 
Sure. Anyway, yeah. so now let's <laughs> shift on over to Mama Panic herself. That is, we they call her here the Oracle. And she's in her padded cell, which also has some Alice in Wonderland accoutrement around. Uh, she's mm-hmm. singing about baboons or some shit like this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some song. She's always something crazy. And uh, Violet bursts right in through her armored door. Uh, doesn't even come as a surprise to Mama. She's like she's been waiting for her, knew she'd be coming all along. Uh, Violet goes to unmask herself, but Mama stops her, says she doesn't need her face to know who she is. She, she can always tell who her daughter is just by looking at her, even if she's wearing a weird triangle mask. Mm-hmm. So now the Oracle, that is Mama Panic, leads the way. She's been waiting to play the escape game for quite a while. Uh, they don't get far before Gala and her goons show up to block the exit. In fact, they're in the lobby, which is... Yeah. You would think the worst, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, let's go right out into the open. But, you know, we, we'll see in a minute. There was a method to the madness. Uh, it's here that Violet first hears her mother referred to as the Oracle, which answers any questions she might have had about whether or not this Mama Panic has any powers on this earth. She does, is the answer. There's a brief skirmish, and Violet appears to have the upper hand. And now as Gala goes to grab the Oracle, we can see a small craft hovering above the skylight. Then crashing through the skylight is the sensational character find of whatever year she first appeared. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. Two years ago, something like that. (laughs) This is, of course, Fennec Fox. And she slaughters all the bad guys. Literally, like, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, the, the, her little, uh, her little flyer has guns on the sides and, and like Gatling guns and it's yeah, like, it's she, just tear, it's like Rambo, you know, it just tears them she apart. She blasts them all in a single panel, blasts them all up. Uh, now, Violet uh, KOs Gala, which is kind of a. Uh, kind of a, you know, an uninspired way to take her out. Uh, She grabs Mama, and they board the Fennec Flyer. As they fly home, Violet realizes that her other, the real mother, knew that the last time that they spoke would be the last time that they spoke. That's right. They're both psychic or what have you. Uh, I thought it was interesting, too, um, Gala's minions or whatever, this, like, this force, they all Hmm. seem, you know, normal, but one of them looks like Victor Zaz. Right? He's yeah, got, he's got he's, the hash marks, the hash marks on him, yeah. and it made me think, are these all interpretations of people from oh, Arkham? Yeah. But there's really no other indicators on any of them. I really did. That's the I, only I, one. I was, yeah. I was like scoping them out hard, like these, this could, they could be anybody almost, but this, sure. the only one that has any kind of indicator is Victor Zaz, or maybe Victor Zaz. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so now we hop over to a construction site where a pair of goons have dragged the Joker. This is that weird future Joker that we already saw last two issues, I think. Uh, He soon finds himself surrounded by a gaggle of folks, including one wearing clown paint. The clown proceeds to beat the holy hell out of him with a crowbar, while another one films the entire thing. If it isn't clear that the Joker is beaten to death or not, but uh, he's pretty sure he looks pretty messed up, yeah. He's, Yeah. he's, He's... Probably dead, it seems. Uh, let me tell you, though, using the Joker in the comics, that has certainly been beaten to death. Very good. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a Chris line, I gotta tell everyone. <laughs> now, we do see that the mastermind behind the beating is Jason Todd. Yeah. Yeah, wearing his Red Hood outfit, outfit, but not the Red Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, now we wrap up our issue back at the Institute, where Violet's brother storms in to have a word with Gala. Now, he's ticked off that the Oracle was taken, because Gala had given her word that she'd protect her. Uh, And Gala's figuring, you know, hey, if you want to see someone in your family, she pulls him into a uh, darkened lab where he sees this world's Violet. 
and she's uh, in one of those like Weapon X looking tubes full of water. Yeah. Um, we had been led to believe that she was uh, killed in the uh, Gather House fire in, right. on this earth, but uh, she wasn't. Apparently not. There's a little violet up the sleeve or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. so... Uh, that was kind of interesting, and then there was the backup that amazingly looks like you may have read. Is that is that true, or am I hallucinating? I, I read some of it, yes. Wow, that uh, that was something <laughs> very unexpected. Uh, it's quick. It's three pages. This is like what happened before. Now this is what happened yeah. on that Earth. The, the collective comes down, and essentially, it shows that you know Harley and Ivy, Poison Ivy, are lovers. Uh, yeah. Eventually, the collective comes for them, and that's when. Poison Ivy subsumes herself into the ground, which we saw in Robinson Park. Yeah, like three issues ago now, when she first got was looking for her mother, when Viola was looking for her, and uh, Harley just kind of ends there. But we can assume that she gets picked up, taken to Arkham. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. Done. Nothing to be mad at. And if you're getting, yeah. if you're into this story, which I think is uh, seems to be getting more interesting as we go along, as far as I can tell, it's kind of a little cool, little bit of background. Uh, I really wouldn't mind a little more story, though. But that's, you know, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a that's a positive <laughs> thing we can say about it. So, uh, what did you think of this, Chris? I liked it a lot. Uh, like you said, there wasn't much to it. It's pretty quick. It's a very quick read. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's yet yeah, one really... Uh, one really climactic sort of scene in there, uh-huh. um, but it, it's movement. It's it's forward momentum. Um, we know that Mother Panic's arcs usually go three issues, uh, so we are three issues in, and we do get sort of an ending to this arc. With yeah. it's an open ending. Like uh, we do have like the big story beat happened here. Yeah. So you know we were building up for a couple Which of issues. Which kind of happened in the, the first twelve also, where there was there sure. were three issue arcs, but there was kind of a background thing bubbling. And there were threads, time. yeah. So this feels kind of the same way. I don't know if it would have ended this way had we not gotten the cancellation notice yeah. not too long ago. I don't know if maybe there would have been a more firm ending here to lead into the next arc, uh, where it might have had to be replayed to. Uh, to maybe make the arc flow a little bit more since it's only going to be the six issues. Yeah. No, if, if that makes any sense. I, 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 I get know. you. That, that, that they're, they're now like, oh, we better wrap this story up instead of making it this this searching for the Oracle thing or dealing with it. Seems like it could have been extended over, you know, the, in the background of a... Or, or like we could have we could have had the next three issues be something totally different and then come back come to Gala back to this, three yeah. issues after that. Which I mean, is, who knows? Uh, but anyway, that, that's not... That's obviously not going to happen. So. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Uh, uh, but I, 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 I dug it. I, I gave it an 8.5. Yeah, I, I, I see. You, you really did uh, seem to enjoy it quite a bit. And I I enjoyed it, too. I really, more and more, I feel like this is something more populist for Batman fans or, you know, fans of comics in general might be able to just pick this up and enjoy it as more of an Elseworlds kind of tale. Absolutely. Uh, I also like a little bit of the gratification. You know, there's this, you know... Uh, she does get her mom, and Joker yeah. does get the, his face caved in by Jason Todd, <laughs> and then I can't deny that felt kind of good to see that for once, you know, like, wow, sure. it's like, uh, even though it's not really, you know, going to have any effect on our continuity, this was, this was, uh, it's such a crazy dark book, it was almost like little brief moments of levity, and of course, your favorite character, Fennec Fox, in action, that's something that, uh, very exciting, folks. murdering people. This is yeah. This is still not for children. This is, that <laughs> that didn't change, folks. But uh, this book really, uh, I gotta say, I'm starting to feel like I'll be uh, sorry as to see this one go because I'm yeah. uh, really getting more and more interested in, in this weird world and uh, 
I like the character seems to have grown a little bit. I think I would go the same place, 8.5. You know, on a bad day, I might have gone down to 8, you know. But sure. uh, I feel pretty positive about it now. So I give it an 8.5 out of 10. And, and I would say to people, even if you're not reading the Young Animal books, in which case we have to wonder why you're listening to this segment. But if you are <laughs> and you haven't been, and that, you know, well, I likened it before, not in the same tone or even the same story, but... If you like that Sean Murphy uh, White Knight, what was it, right? Batman? I think it was White Knight, White yeah. Knight, but that thing that just came out, the seven-issue thing, uh, in the way that that was sort of like a reinterpretation of Gotham City and the characters, this is sort of like that, too. And uh, if that sounds interesting, then maybe you want to give it a look-see. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but next week, oh-oh. It's a fifth week. It's a fifth week, and we do not have any bloodlines uh, that I know of happening. <laughs> so there will be no young animal issue, but I think we might have something in store for uh, cooking just to make sure we get slapped onto the podcast. So uh, I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else? Got anything else for him? Nope, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. Yo, panic, y'all. Back against the wall. Feel the pressure. No way out. Situation getting closer. Time is ticking. Walls are closing. Options narrow now. You're the one that's chosen. Panic. Adrenaline rush. Master mechanic. Play your position. Blow wigs back with cannons. Colors of rhythm. No option left to choose from. Cooperation concoct thoughts that prove them. Once in every lifetime, comes a love like this. Oh, I need you, you need me. Oh, my darling, can't you see a young one? Darling with a young one. A young one. Shouldn't be afraid to live, love. There's a song to be sung. Most we may not be the young ones very long. Welcome back to the Young Animals segment on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And this week we have zero books to read count for em. you. So, yeah, you can count them up, but there are no <laughs> books. However, we did just go get past uh, the third issues of all four currently running Young Animal books. Right, Chris? Mm-hmm. And uh, as was first reported on May 10, and then by us on the podcast episode from May 13, uh, it's Young Animal Line, all four books are coming to an end with their sixth issue. So that puts us at halftime, right? Exactly. Anyway, so we decided let's check in. Let's see how the health of the Young Animal Line is doing, let you guys know what we think of it, and maybe you can... Let us know what you think as well. Mm-hmm. Starting off with the new kid on the block, that's Eternity Girl by Magdalene Visaggio and Sonny Liu. Uh, you know, this is an interesting book because um, it's this one spins directly out of Milk Wars. It does, yeah. Uh, but I couldn't really tell you how. But okay, you know that's yeah. She she would just show up in the backup and like kind of creep around the edges. And, and then, then in the last issue, something happened. Just be plunged in. Yeah. Something happened, and she manifested here. Or I mean, we're kind of figuring out now in Eternity Girl that she died, and somehow that Milk Wars rebooted her, and this is causing all kinds of problems. But I definitely like this series more than Milk Wars. I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, it's, it's basically my point. You know, I mean, like you think you think it would be like. Uh, as impenetrable as Milk Wars, but it's like, oh, all right, this is a story that actually is 
coming into there, focus. There are beats, yeah. Uh, and of all the books, this is the one that was announced as a six-issue mini. Yes. So this, this was always planned to be six issues. So uh, just some rundown of some shipping numbers. Uh, issue number one shipped 16,277, which I think is reasonably respectable, but still kind of low for Young for Animal, number, right? For number one. Yeah. yeah, you would think it would hit above 20. Uh, and then number two actually did what you would expect it to do, half of the number one, which was which yeah. is uh, 8,201. So uh, that's pretty bad, folks. And, um, and it's really bad, yeah. Those numbers do so rarely tick up, and we know that they haven't ticked up this time around <laughs> because the uh, series are all ending. Just as some, for some, some comparison to the last other mini that we had in, in Young Animal, uh, the issue six of the Bug: The Adventures of Forager from December 17 shipped 6,948. So if Eternity Girl oh. can finish there. Then it will it's not have done worse. That'll be that'll uh-huh. be as good as we can expect, to be honest with you. And, but and these are the shipped numbers. So it's oh like, yeah, I mean, even if like you know, bug shipped less than seven thousand. Even if a hundred and fifty percent of those sold, that's right. still bad. Right. No, you're, that's still bad. You're, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, I would I would say conservatively, and I am just spitballing, but you know, twenty five percent of those are rack comics. That you know, on the low end. Yeah. And the low end, yeah. I would think a lot of them are sitting there now. Of course, they're uh, the unrecorded is the digital, and then oh, I'm sure and, they sold in the millions. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, that, that's always the secret. Like, oh, we'll never learn those numbers. I, I can't imagine. I mean, even at ten percent of these numbers, took about a couple hundred copies. You know, a few hundred yeah. copies. So I don't, I don't think it was that robust. Uh, and then I guess anything outside of Diamond, you know, DCBS sure, the, is the Diamond bookstore, is it right? Isn't DCBS and uh, aren't they? Oh, they're diamond. They're through diamond. They're diamond. Yes, they, so that's they, all yeah, it's all direct. So yeah, so, it's, uh, these are just uh, really anemic here. This is this is it's sad numbers, folks. Uh, this is essentially what we constructing this uh, this rundown. <laughs> it it so reveals rude. why this line suddenly is ended in August. It totally <laughs> it, and and I'll tell you something. This is one of the better ones. Let's let's take it to the next yeah. title, Chris. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Shade, the Changing Woman. We had our girl who became a woman in Milk mm-hmm. Wars. Uh, we had our same team from the previous volume, Cecil Castellucci and Mar- Marley Zarcone. Uh, first issue, uh, we talk about number one issues selling, you know, a little higher. Oof. Number one sold, number one shipped, twelve thousand seven hundred and five books. Yeesh. That is, I, I never thought we'd see these numbers in our lifetime. Uh, you know, uh, it's so bad. I mean, you know, there's so there's so much we don't really know about what their margin. So, I mean, I mean, sure, their overhead. Sure. This could all be, I'm you know, the, in the black. Um, yeah, uh, that would be a, a little bit of a, <laughs> that would be a bit of a stretch. But I mean, you know, you know, as far as like, obviously, Vertigo has a different thresh, threshold than DC. Sure. Somehow they do something differently. They, you know, they have a model. I know they have a more of a trade-oriented model, although yeah. the same could be said for DC, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, DC has always said twenty thousand, you yeah. know, and still un- inexplicably kept plenty of books alive below that number. But I, I don't know what Young Animals' number is, but I gotta think it's higher than. 12, yeah. 12, or, you know, the next one, which is really sad yeah, stuff. There is, uh, we had some attrition with the second issue. That one only shipped 7,949 copies. So it dipped under Eternity Girls, number two. Yeah. 
Yeah, which, at number one, this is supposed to be an ongoing. Two. I know this, <laughs> this. You really think it would have? Although you know, with the you you know you you dig, you dug up the numbers for number twelve of the uh, last volume. Hmm. Uh, it sort of does paint the picture that. Well, you know, I'll just say it that it's uh, October 17 of last year. The, the last issue shipped 7,640. Mm-hmm. I, I think the fan base is probably somewhere about there, I would say. Yeah. Right? But, you know, somewhere in between the seven and 8,000. And, you know, maybe that's just where it is. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, of sure. course, everyone wants to see their fan base grow, but it is. That's so you know, niche. That's the baseline. It is a very niche book. And, you know, this is a book, too, that we. Uh, enjoy. This is probably the least accessible. Accessible, yeah. I'd say to people of the book. You know what I mean? Uh, definitely, very, very psychedelic. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, there's been a few things we've liked everything in this volume except for the actual shade, the changing woman. Yeah, right? she's been the worst part of it. It's true. Yeah, and this uh, this volume has been a pretty pretty decent step back from the first. The first was a. Uh... Uh, it was like a coming of age, and we were kind of going along with it. And yeah. now it's just this odd poetry that we were hoping they were going to snap out of. But now that it's been truncated, I mean, who knows? I, I don't mean, know. It what's... just might be this pretentious poetry until the very last page of the very last issue. I mean, this one might. I mean, you know, we're really postulating here, but this one might Pardon? suffer the most. Hello. Yes. Uh, this one might uh, suffer the most because this had the. Um, has a lot of loose threads. It's dangled already, you know, that mm-hmm. they're going to need to wrap up. But I don't know. We'll have With to the see. quickness, yeah. We will see how it happens. Perhaps uh, Cecil and Marley have a plan in mind. Uh, one that we really do like, and this one really, let me tell you, it's this one gets more depressing as we go along. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty much. We kind of came up on a little bit of an uptick, but not, not great. But uh, Cave Carson has Interstellar Eye. This is a super psychedelic season going on right now by John Rivera and Michael Avon Oming. And for all three books we've mentioned, these all have stable. These are the only creative teams. Yeah. You know, as far as and as far as I know, the next one I think also has a stable. Same one, writer. Definitely the same writer. But anyway, but uh, this is yeah, John Rivera, Michael Avon Oming. Number one shipped eleven six fifty nine. That is so bad. Uh, number two did seven seventy five forty. You know, this is this is what happened. I mean, obviously they saw the the numbers on number one. And they pulled the plug. I mean, that's what I would yeah. think. That's what I would have done. I'd been like, oh, this isn't coming back from that. Uh, you're not gonna come up to. You're not. You're gonna. You're not gonna break twenty grand with uh, the with anything really. No, no. You, you could have anybody guest star. You could. It's just. Yeah. I mean, if it was up on an eighteen, you might have some hope. But you know, you're yeah. not. You're not pulling out of this like lower than twelve number here. Uh, and you know, it's this one's very also somewhat inaccessible. This does take a special. I think, you know, a certain audience, but I, I think it's really good. It um, is, yeah. I definitely it's a lot of fun. The visuals are a huge part of that, but, you know, this this season, I've liked this more than the other one, although the other one ended up really just dragging on for us. Yeah. Uh, so maybe if this one had the opportunity to drag on, I'd feel <laughs> the same way. Luckily, I guess it won't have that opportunity. Uh, and again, though, issue 12, October 17 of last year, or uh, October of last year, uh, shipped 8050. Uh so like I said, I really think that's where the fan base is. Like it's mm-hmm. roughly about eight grand yeah. for the, for this type of material. And that's what it is, you know, and that's why I, I think a, a smaller outfit can make good on this sure. kind of material because that's not 
that's not a low number at all for some. You know what I mean? Like if we had if we had eight thousand fifty people listening to uh, Cosmic Treadmill, Chris, I think we'd be like, wow, <laughs> where do these people don't? come from? <laughs> we don't. Oh, I got it. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, <laughs> Damn, but uh, why you hide the numbers from me? Yeah, really. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, let's just uh, wrap it up yeah, on this. We'll round out the uh, we'll round out the order here with uh, the second volume of Mother Panic. This is Mother Panic Gotham AD. This is Mother Panic in a different universe slash different future. Uh, we got the same writer Jody Hauser with a new artist Ibrahim Mustafa. First issue, uh, first issue had the Joker very prominently on the cover. Right. So you might expect a bit of a boost, and compared to the others, it does have a bit it of a does, boost. It does, yeah. Uh, the first issue shipped fourteen thousand forty-seven copies, which is that is the highest, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. No, no. I'll oh no, the Eternity Girl did a little bit better, but is, uh, I think I think uh, Mother Panic does better. Oh no. Just no, slightly worse in the second issue too. Wow. Yeah, the second Whatever. issue, it's a pretty sizable drop. Um, eight thousand fifty-three copies. Uh, and you know those those orders came in before anybody read the first issue. Sure. So it's sure. so weird. I um, mean, this is, this is typical reseller though. You know, you always you pretty sure. much slash in half your first your number Absolutely. one order. Yeah, you hedge uh, your bets big time on the second issue. Yeah. Which is why back in the day, the second issue of comics were worth so much more than the first. Quite often. They were so much harder to get. Uh, now, Mother Panic, the original uh, series, wrapped up in November of last year, and issue 12 of that shipped 7,801 copies. So right in that Right, right in that, that same number, again. right, yeah, that yep. we keep seeing, this 8,000 number. Uh, and, you know, it's it's I really think that's where it is. You know, we see other titles like this. Uh, from DC that seem to land right around 8,000, and I think that that is a nice bunch of people that might just be too small for a corporate, you know, a, a major bean counter. Yeah, uh, yeah. These these larger companies to uh, change, uh, you know, make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know what that. I don't have any plan B really personally for that. <laughs> I, I guess I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, IDW putting out Doom Patrol. I guess if that's what it came down to. But <laughs> right. Whatever it is, you know what I mean. I, say, I have no personal uh, compunction against it. But you know, maybe that would stop uh, Jeff Johns from using them. Anyway, uh, just for the whoop of it, we decided yeah. we'd also run down the Milk Wars numbers from that five-part uh, series that actually begat this season of uh, Mother Panic. <laughs> so JLA Doom Patrol special number one, that had 25,090 units shipped. And then, now, remember, it did feature the JLA. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I was personally shocked to see this number, Chris. I gotta be honest with you. So was I. Uh, we were researching this. It was, I, well, I figured maybe it would break 20. I didn't think 25. I, 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 any 25 seems, seems really high to me. Uh, although, that's perfectly fine. That would be pathetic for the average JLA uh, title, so I guess it's all more comes out in the wash. <laughs> it all mixes, yeah. And of course, the uh, other straw that stirs the drink, the Mother Panic Batman special, <laughs> number one. This is uh, 26,000. Actually, did better. 198 yep. units was shipped. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep, more of that, although they're all number ones. That's the magic of it. So the power of Batman on your uh, oh, in your yeah. title. They should just they should just throw them on every book. You know what I mean? Action why, why comics around, you know? yes. <laughs> and We have a Shade the Changing Girl slash Wonder Woman special number one, which was maybe my worst book of the entire year, maybe of the decade. I it don't was know. Pretty bad, yeah. uh, it was awful, and that one that one shipped twenty one thousand six hundred sixty eight units. So. uh Still in that number that's uh, considered 
you know, kind of healthy. Yeah. Uh, not, not the worst thing in the world. They're definitely worlds better than what we have for the solo series. Um, we got Cave Carson and Swamp Thing special number one that shipped 20,756 units. And then we wrapped the whole thing up with the Doom Patrol JLA special number one. That one shipped 23,254 units. Yeah. So the entire Milk Wars did break 20 grand. Each and they were all $5 each. I know. That was no small feat. Now, of course, you can go to your local LCS and see maybe they might have a couple of these copies laying around, I think. I've definitely seen a stack of the these. At my, yeah, I've seen them at my, uh, my shop. But, uh, you know, I bet this is, you know, again, just guessing, but, you know, seeing these kind of numbers, I don't know, maybe the bean counters, maybe, you know, the guys at DC were like, all right, we might have something here. Yeah, we can here. do this. You know, if, if Mother Panic was shipping even 21668, which is what, you know, Shade and Wonder Woman special did, I, mm-hmm. think, I think we wouldn't be talking about a six-issue no, series certainly. all of a sudden. You know, they would go and do an ongoing. And, of course, even a six-issue something... That is a six-issue mini. If it takes off, it takes off. You know, they can go the other way, oh, too. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. They'll just launch it as an ongoing with another number one exactly. <laughs> the month after. It's, it's, it's almost like, you know, a gift to be able to crank out another number one so rapidly. But uh, anyway, I will, all I'm saying is, oh, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's obvious to me or it seems to us that, you know, they made this decision probably after seeing the numbers for all the number two issues yeah, uh, to, to cut these off at six issues. But I really can't blame them. I would. You know no, what I mean? Oh, like, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, you know, you guys, you're not holding into your promise. Uh, nothing is promised, you know, let me tell you. And for the 8,000 people that would read some of these, and I might be included among for some, of, the books. Those, for some sure. of these books, um, I don't know what to tell you. There, there are other titles out there that are on the same vein that uh, might be worth a look. And maybe we'll talk about those another time. Maybe we'll have an alternate reading list for the folks. <laughs> you never know. It's. I, I wonder if there's a, maybe there's a lack of leadership mm. at Young Animal. Maybe mm. they need somebody that actually gives a crap about, you know, keeping the books in shape and getting them out. Yeah, on somebody who might actually bring some more eyes to the books. That's the, that's the mm. sad thing about it, though. Yeah, yeah. You, have this, you have this great marketing tool. And yep. uh, it's not doing anything. But he's on to nope. other things now. Gerard Way is making music or some bullshit. I don't know what the hell. Like. <laughs> right? <laughs> Did we see something? It? I don't know what it was. <laughs> yes, it is. It, it, he's he's going on tour or something. I forget what I saw. He's, he's, he's got the guitar. He got the itching for a guitar again. But um, Now, if only Diamond would tell us how many of the Young Animal mixtapes sold. Oh, that that I'd love to know. Yeah, all these people. That, that that's got to be in the tens of thousands, I would twenties love to of see, thousands. I would love to correlate <laughs> that with how many uh, cassette players suddenly were dragged out of all the out of all pawn shops <laughs> and garages, you know, and, and whatever around the country. So, uh, yeah, that was, I don't know what the hell that was all about. It's, it's really been a... Uh, Interesting experience Going following this line. Yeah. I'll tell you what. It, the, as far as all the little details of it, it's uh, I don't know what to tell you. You know, <laughs> this is not this is not what I would call typical comics, but that's okay. That's not that's not a problem. We uh, sure like an atypical comic, and uh, we do have uh, a comic next week. It we is do. Shade the Changing Woman number four, I guess. Right, mm-hmm. it has to be. And it's that, gotta be. <laughs> and that would begin our yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that that would begin our Part two of season two. Part two, season two. Mm-hmm. For all those that like to binge listen to this uh segment, 
<laughs> That's how you can split it up. That would be funny. There you right? go. <laughs> dig through the uh, Weird Science podcast. I just like to save up the segments. That's a fact. <laughs> so, uh... I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. A kind of a dour note, sad note on the future of the Young Animal line. It's somber. Yeah. Do you got anything else for him? I sure don't. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. Before I run, I take out my fronts. Then I start the front. Matter of fact, I'll be on a manhunt. You couldn't catch me in the streets without a ton of reefer. That's like Malcolm X catching a jungle fever. King poetic, too much flavor. I'm major. Atlanta ain't braver. I pull a number like a pager. Cause I'm an ace when I face the base. 40 side is the place that is giving me grace. Now wait, another dose say you might be dead. And I'm a Nike head. I wear chains that excite the feds. Ain't